Tate Chronicles now transmitting. Welcome to the Tate Chronicles on Healthcare Now Radio. And now, here's your host, Jim Tate. Good day, citizens of the free world, from border to border, coast to coast, and to all the ships at sea. I bring you a warm welcome. This is your correspondent, Jim Tate, and thank you for tuning in today to the Tate Chronicles. Join me as we cut through the fog that exists at the leading edge of healthcare technology. I'm really pleased today. My guest is an old friend, Mary Givens. Mary is the Certified Community Behavioral Health Clinic Program Manager, uh, that's better known as CCBHC, for Qualifax Software. Qualifax's EJR solution is focused on behavioral health, rehabilitative, and human services. As I said, I've known Mary for quite a few years, and I always value her opinions on healthcare compliance, technology, and delivery. Mary, welcome to the Take Chronicles. Thank you, Jim. You know, one of the things uh, that in our discussion we had last week is a whole area around uh, health care and, and compliance and, and standards that I wasn't aware of. So I'm very glad to have this conversation with you today. Really, let's start at the basics, Mary. What is a certified community behavioral health clinic? What is this certification all about? Well, I'm excited to talk about CCBHCs whenever I have the opportunity. So thank you again for having me. So sure. CCBHCs were really originally established um, through the PAMA or the Protecting Access to Medicare Act of 2014. And at that time, as part of that act, the federal government was charged to start what they call demonstration programs for this certified community behavioral health clinic. And initially, they started out with uh, eight states that had demonstration grants where they would um, set up the CCBHCs kind of as a pilot program, I guess is a good word for it. And they originally only funded them for two years. But they were so successful early on that they actually kept um, extending the grants for two years after that up until most recently, which I'm going to tell you about where the the long-term funding is going. But um, the the demonstration states, the eight of them got expanded to 10 states. And then recently, you probably heard about the Bipartisan Safer uh, Communities Act, they call it the gun bill. Um, Mm -hmm. It actually included funding to expand those demonstration states even further where um, starting in 2024 and every two years thereafter, they're going to, the feds are going to set up, are going to add at least 10 more additional demonstration states every two years thereafter. So this has got great sustainability. And I'm going to kind of tell you today why that is, why the certified community behavioral health clinic model really works. Well, and, you know, I guess that's uh, kind of a primary question. Uh, What is the purpose of this certification? So, yeah, the CCBHC actually, um, it's a model that is, it's considered value-based care, which I know you're all familiar with, but it's considered value-based care. What's important about it or what's different about it is it's actually a treatment model. It's not a program. And when I say that and differentiate that, because it's a treatment model, meaning that it's a philosophical, I'm going to say philosophical approach to serving people with the most significant behavioral health and SUD issues. And Community behavioral health clinics have extremely stringent criteria that monitor the types of be- types of services they provide, the programs they provide, the structure of the um, of the organization's policies and procedures. It's it's a holistic, value based, integrated meaning it it supports the person holistically, both primary care, behavioral health, substance use, and also 
SDOH, or Social Determinants of Health, so it treats the whole person. Um, but I, what I love about it is that it treats them regardless of the acuity of their condition, so they can be as severely ill um, as, as you can imagine, and the organization would never turn them away. Doesn't matter if they have an ability to pay, doesn't matter what geographical region they live in. So, you know, oftentimes organizations have like a catchment area. Mm-hmm. The CCBHC doesn't turn anybody away, which I love about it. Um, it's So it's really about whoever shows up at their doors, they're gonna serve regardless of any of those other issues. And what they do is they provide um, kind of three three primary, I guess, tenets to the CTBHC is access to care. So you know before, as you know, historically in behavioral health, if you tried to get an appointment, you or I with a psychiatrist or a psychologist, you could wait anywhere from six weeks to three months. Access was really poor. Um, but with the CTBHCs, they have um, really um, open access to care where they're seeing people typically within 10 days, oftentimes less usually like five to seven days. They meet stringent criteria that covers everything from how they're going to staff the organization, you know, the quality and the credentials of the providers, mm-hmm. how they're going to coordinate with social <laughs> service organizations for homelessness, um, food insecurities, anything that has to do with social determinants of health. They do criminal justice diversion because so many people with mental health issues end up in the um, justice system when really what they need is rehabilitation and treatment. And they work with education systems of schools and they work with veterans and, and active military. And they do all this, which is kind of the key to value-based care. They do all these services and in this really specific way while also reducing the cost of healthcare, which is which is the key, right? Sure. Well, so if there's a community behavioral health clinic, would they um, apply to become certified and, and meet certain requirements? So the way that it works is that there's there's these 10 demonstration states where they would the, the organization, mm-hmm. if they wanted to become a certified community behavioral health clinic, they would apply within their state to get certified. They have to meet all these stringent criteria. But um, there's multiple ways to become a CCBAC. The other way is that SAMHSA, the federal entity SAMHSA, which I'm sure most folks are familiar with, they um, actually provide grants. They call them expansion grants. Well, they give folks money for um it was originally two years, now they're giving folks money for four years to kind of set up and establish the CCBHC. And those organizations that get the expansion grants will will set up and meet all the criteria and provide all the services that are required of a CCBHC um, for, for two years using the grant funding. And the, the goal would be then, because that's, you know, grant funding is not long-term. So the goal would be for these expansion CCBHCs to apply for a state plan amendment so that they have sustainability with funding. So it's a it's a couple of ways to become a CCBHC and 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 uh, if I can share with you, key to becoming a CCBHC is delivering like nine specific types of services. And I, I'd like to kind of just sure. highlight those. You have a good picture of what they do. Please. So crisis services, twenty four seven crisis services, which is critical. Mm-hmm. Um, treatment planning, uh, integrated treatment planning, right? So treatment planning for all their services across all of the different um, disciplines: primary care, SDOA. Um, behavioral health, everything. Uh, so treatment planning is completely integrated. They screen, they assess, they diagnose, they do risk assessments, they do outpatient mental health um, and substance use services, they do targeted case management, which is critical, right? So there's a person that's out there coordinating all those services to make sure nothing's falling through the cracks. So they're treating you holistically. Um, they do um, community-based mental health services for veterans and active military. 
They do peer support, which is so critical, particularly in behavioral health and substance use disorders. They do family support and counselor services, and they do psychiatric rehabilitation services. So every CCPHC is delivering these nine key services, and they're delivering them in very specific, clearly defined ways um, by mm. these CCPHC regulations. And is there a recertification process? There is. So every year, so the CCBHC um, actually, you know, once it gets established and gets up and running, um, mm -hmm. they have the CCBHC goes into a continuous quality improvement cycle, if you will. There's real specific, quantifiable, measurable outcomes that the organization has to um, has to uh, uh, kind of uh, perform to. And as you know, with uh, value based care the organization is is reimbursed based on the quality of those outcomes, so based on the quality of the services that the people they support are receiving. So every year they get reassessed and, and would be um, eligible to be recertified. If they weren't successful, I, I would, I would uh, you know, I would tell you that they're probably, their certification would be at risk, but I haven't seen um, a CCBHC to my knowledge that, um, you know, that, that, got certified initially and then didn't maintain that and continue to get better and better in terms of delivery of care. And there's a really key reason for that. And something that I probably should mention is that certified CCBHCs, especially the ones that are in the demonstration states, but any state that has a CCBHC demonstration program, certified CCBHCs are cost-based, which is an unusual model for nonprofits and an unusual model for behavioral health organizations. What I mean by that is that the CCBHC gets to do a cost analysis and set their own rates. And each CCBHC has its own rates. And those rates are based on what it actually is going to cost to deliver these services mm -hmm. based on these really stringent rules. And that's really powerful and it's really important because it allows the organization, the CCBHC, to be able to deliver this kind of quality of services. And it also allows the CCBHC um, to be able to hire the, hire the qualified staff. Now, in this day and age of healthcare shortage, CCBACs are the one area that are that are continuing to hire. Really? They, they, mm -hmm. they are. They're continuing to hire new positions. They're continuing to hire more of the same positions, more case managers, more therapists, and they're hiring new positions like medication-assisted treatment providers and things like that. And that's because they're cost-based. They can afford to pay competitive wages, and they can afford to cover their costs. And the only reason that that works, it becomes in the long run, the CCBACs are saving the healthcare system money and you, and you probably wonder well how are they doing that if they're able to you know do this cost based and the way that they're able to save money is that through the quality of these services because these services are so um proactive so preventative so on track and so you know they're being monitored by these outcomes and everything that by, by doing those services in that way they're able to avoid those really high cost services like emergency department visits and inpatient hospital state, which is where, you know, the, the dollars really go up, right? When you end up in that emergency room or sure. you and I know that or the inpatient state. So by being able to avoid those situations, including avoiding things like, um, you know, crisis situations, even avoiding, avoiding incarceration, which is also a very expensive way to treat somebody with a behavioral health condition. They can, the CCBACs can serve people that would be otherwise incarcerated safely and, and uh, in a way that'll help them be rehabilitated instead of just, you know, incarcerated without treatment. So it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal model. Um, it's a, it's a, like I say, it's kind of a philosophical approach to serving people with behavioral health and SUD challenges. And so it's, it's a challenging model to implement because it takes great organizational change. It takes a lot of adherence to a lot of very specific criteria. There's this really specific way to do it. It's all evidence-based, evidence-based practices. Um, mm. So it's really difficult or challenging to 
implement. But once they get it up and running and they see the value to the people they support, um, which is, you know, when they see how well they can meet their missions, the people that are in these organizations are extremely encouraged and happy to work in them. And, and I think that's why it works. Um, if uh, any listeners are just joining this episode, I'm Jim Tate. On this episode of the Tate Chronicles, I'm speaking with Mary Givens of Qualifax Software. Um, is there a technical requirement for e electronic health records or interoperability? There is both. Yeah, there's a re there's a requirement for technical for um, technology and interoperability is great, as you can imagine. So if you're going to say you're going to serve somebody holistically, then you've got to be coordinating care between mm. all the stakeholders, right, in the person's life. So there are um, their interoperability interoperability is critical, but also it's so much of this is about data reporting, mm -hmm. um, the ability to represent data in graphs. So if you're asking your frontline frontline provider to to you know screen everybody that that has a substance use disorder for possible depression, because sometimes these things coexist, right? Sometimes people are self-medicating, et cetera, then you have to be able to show them um kind of the the um the the quality of what they're doing. So they're screening, so they're screening their patients, their clients for major depressive disorder. And if they're positive, then they're they're doing follow-up care. They're doing a PHQ-9, which is for screen for depression. And then they're they're either sending them over to be considered for medication or they're doing a suicide risk assessment, depending on the client and the provider. But what they want to what you want to be able to do is show that provider, I'm asking you to collect all this data for me. And I want to show you why. Because if you look at this data, if you look at this graph, it shows you that of the 200 people you saw during 2022, you screened 150 of them. You know, 75 of them actually were positive for depression. You got them follow up. They got treatment. This person didn't end up in the emergency room, didn't end up on the crisis line, didn't end up in an inpatient stay. You know, another PHQ-9 score is better. Their depression is actually um, being managed and the symptoms are less. And the person is feeling better and living a more, a more whole, you know, a whole a better life, right? Because they're not feeling the symptoms from depression. And so being able to have the data to be able to show that kind of um, success or that kind of outcome to the people that are providing the service is really critical. And then being able to show that data to those who fund you, like the payers and to the board of directors, equally as important, right? Well, um, uh, Qualifax, uh, your EHR uh, is, uh, you know, it's, I guess, somewhat if it's supporting um uh, uh, this care setting, it's got to be somewhat of a um, care setting sp specific uh, way to, uh, you know, data that's collected. And, and so um, is, is your EHR uh, set up with templates or, or just how is it to support the type of data and documentation that these certified community behavioral health clinics need? That's a great question. We are ext extremely suited. Well. Um, Behavioral health outpatient community-based um, services are really kind of our um, our sweet spot. That's who we've mm -hmm. always served. So serving the CCBHC was not a was not a long walk for us. It was an easy, any kind easy kind of trans, trans, transition for us to make. And what's what's so good about it, or what's so good about our EHR, is that we actually have three platforms now. We have you know CareLogic, Credible, and InSync. So our our CareLogic and our Credible. Um, platforms specifically are extremely configurable and extremely um, customizable. And that allows the organization to be able to collect that data in the way that most suits their providers, that most 
closely aligned with the workflows that the providers are doing now, right? So if a provider has to collect data and has to make a decision between documenting this screening or documenting this questionnaire they have to ask and actually spending time with the client, they're going to spend the time with the client, right? But then if they're sure. going to take time away, they're going to spend that time with the client. So what's so good about our EHRs and why they fit the CTBHC treatment model so well is because they're so customizable and configurable. You can stick these questions and these screening assessment tools in many places that fit with your workflow for your psychologists and your psychiatrists and your clinicians, et cetera. And, you know, there's like two point one million people currently being served by CCBHCs across the country. So it's not not uh, you know a small effort. It just got established in 2017. We've been supporting CCBHCs since they were established in 2017. There's 500 CCBHCs across the entire country. We support 157 of them, mm. about 31%. So we're pretty excited about it. We created the role of a CCBHC program manager because we believe in this model so much and because it's so pre- prevalent and it continues to grow and the the bipartisan act is going to make it continue to grow over the next, you know, probably the next, you know, five to eight, 10 years. Um, it just, it just works. It just, it, it works for two reasons. One is because it allows our organizations to closely align with and meet their mission, which is to provide value based, to, be, to provide value to the people they support, to decrease the symptoms that so they can allow those clients to go into remission or to be stable enough to live whole complete lives. And then also it saves, you know, it saves money, right? It's the, it's the triple aim. It's, you know, it, uh, it, it saves money in healthcare, the federal cost of um, healthcare, it impacts that federal number and, and drives those costs down. But more important, it's the experience of the people that are actually, you know, receiving those services. I mean, it's just, it's just a win, win, win. I, there's really no downside to it. You know, um, you and I have both uh, known each other through all the, uh, certified electronic health record technology mm-hmm. versions, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, it, it, in this uh, uh, certification with these behavioral health clinics, uh, are the standards standards going to uh, you know change and evolve over time? You know, they. Um, I, I'm sure that they will. One of the things about that I, because you know, before I did the CCBHC program manager, I was all about the um, the um, compliance and the certifications, and so many of the features of the ONC certification um, are are utilized or leveraged, I should say, for CCBHC. It's like the clinical decision support rules, right? They're critical, right? Because they're mm-hmm. using evidence-based care. So those clinical decision support rules can prompt folks to consistently use those evidence-based care interventions consistently across populations, right? And then um, the the CCDA, right? I mean, it's interoperability. The ability to send and receive that CCDA is so critical, right, for, for interoperability between internal and external providers or, or even sharing information with the client or the patient themselves. So so many of those e-prescribing, PDMP, all that stuff that we got certified on is so critical. Um, having a certified EHR is really an important part of the CTBHC because we leverage, I, I would say, almost all those features. I can't think of any off the top of my head, knowing those features as well as I do from having certified the EHR a few times, um, that we, what they don't leverage and take advantage of. It really, it really, um, really makes me feel kind of... Um, I mean, I really feel good about the fact that that all these features are being leveraged in this model, mm-hmm. and they are kind. Of, they were kind of the, you know, they were kind of really, um, you know, they really were features that were targeted for kind of best practices in in healthcare, and so it's really good to see them being utilized. You know, one thing um, that we've seen over the years is that 
uh, a patient's behavioral health data. It's treated in a different category uh, in terms of security. Uh, And and I mean, the fact that uh, under the new requirements for uh, an API to a fire server, behavioral health data doesn't have to go out there. It's not a mandated data element. So it is, you know, kind of a carve out and recognizing how uh, how important this data is and uh, the issues of privacy and security around it are kind of being baked into the technology. They absolutely are. And I was just reading, I just read an article and I wrote a blog on it this week about um, that they're re-looking at 42 CFR part two is a regulation that's specific to substance use disorder data because mm-hmm. that's the most restricted or most conservative, like it's hard to share that data, right? Without explicit written consent from the from the client slash patient, but and for specific purposes or a specific point in time, those kind of things. And that's because there's such a stigma still attached to people sure. with SUD, right? So, but I was just reading an article and wrote a blog about um, that they're they're re-looking at there's a proposed rule out there in NPRM to look at trying to align the 42 CFR part two closer to HIPAA, just because it actually, 42 CFR was really well-intended, um, but it really puts up barriers almost to that holistic care, right? That interoperability. So they're looking at aligning it closer, the proposed rule out there, they're looking at aligning it closer to the HIPAA rules, which are, you know, they're 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 there to protect the client's privacy, the patient's privacy as well. But sure. looking to align those two rules, I think will make interoperability a little bit easier. Um, you know, um, because it is so critical. If you are going to treat somebody that has cardiac issues, but they also are taking medications or have substance use disorder or behavioral health issues, it's important to know that, right? So um, I, I think that that ability to be able to share that information with with less barriers, obviously with client's consent, um, unless mm-hmm. it's emergent or that kind of thing, um, I, I think it's a, it's a good move. It's a good thing to to be thinking about right now. Let us Let us know some good resources if someone wants to learn more about the CCBHC program. Sure. So SAMHSA is the federal entity that oversees the um, program. Mm-hmm. If you just go to, you know, SAMHSA.gov and type in Certified Community Behavioral Health Clinic or CCBHC, you'll get a whole page, pages and pages on CCBHC from list of the criteria to why it's important, why it was established and all of that. Another resource is the National Council, the nationalcouncil.org. Mm-hmm. They have a whole CCBHC Success Center that is really, um, really chock full of information on CCBHCs, and and um, they have a you know a grant to support CCBHCs. So there's a lot of great information out there. And then I maintain on um, on Qualifax.com. I maintain if you go to Qualifax.com and you click on resources, I maintain a CCBHC. It's called the CCBHC Center page, and I have a blog that I put out there once a week. I have videos of all these conversations and interviews that I've had with different CCBHCs on different topics on, because the CCBHC is so complex and so holistic, we talk about everything from just-in-time scheduling to crisis care to um, um, diversion from jails and the justice system to first, you know, traveling out with first responders, everything you can think of, traveling out with first responders, I was going to say, and everything you can think of CCBHC is on our website at qualifax.com. And um, it's currently, it's always being, new information is always being added. If I see new laws or new rules coming out about behavioral health or substance use, I'll write a blog on it. It's up there. And then I have some some videos we did and, and art, all kinds of information out there. So there's a lot of resources to learn about CCBHCs if you're interested in becoming one or you just want to 
to learn more about them for someone that you love that you're supporting that has a substance use disorder or behavioral health and so a lot of resources out there it would make make sense to everything else being uh uh common that uh if you could find a behavioral health clinic that was certified under this program uh that's almost like a minimum requirement absolutely absolutely it really is yeah it really is best in class at this point it really is that model well, before we totally run out of time, Mary, would you tell our listeners one more time how to find out more uh, about your blog post, where it's located, and the URL for Qualifax? Sure. So www.qualifax.com. And when you get to the site, just click on resources, and you'll see a link for CCBHC Center. And that's where I put everything CCBHC. Um, and I'm happy to, I also, if I can, Jim, give my email out if anyone wants sure. to write me, is that okay? Um, sure. it's mary.givens at qualifax.com and that's Q-U-A-L-I-F-A-C-T-S.com. I'm happy to take questions. I can point you to the right direction if you want resources, anything. If you ever want to talk about a CCBHC or anything CCBHC, I'd love to talk about it. Well, that's great. Thanks for that. Uh, to our audience, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Take Chronicles. I offer a special salute to my guest today, Mary Givens uh, from Qualifax Software. Mary, thanks for coming aboard today. Thank you, Jim. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about CCBHCs. Well, you've got a wealth of knowledge. Thanks for sharing it with us. You can find more information on this show's program page at healthcarenowradio.com. Until we meet again. Here's wishing you smooth sailing and safe harbors. Tate Chronicles transmission ending now.